This is Make It Mentionable. I'm Alyssa Patmos, and this is the show about being human in a world that encourages us to be robots. I invite you to join me as we journey through the mess, the magic, and the mania in between, because what we can talk about, we can manage. This honest conversation extravaganza includes free-flowing conversations and high doses of vulnerability to remind you that you aren't alone. No topic is off limits and episodes are designed to leave you smarter, aka more self-aware than when you came. I am so glad you're here. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Make It Mentionable. This week, we have a special guest, Irina Leone, and we're going to talk about travel because Irina is a digital nomad, I guess. Is that how you would describe your travel journey at the moment? I guess. I still feel like an imposter when people would describe me that way, but that's that's what I do, yes. <laughs> so where in the world are you joining us from right now? I am in Florence, Italy right now, just popped into the town because, hey, I've never been here. I got to see and I wanted to have some time to, you know, go to other places too in Tuscany. That's why I'm basing Uh, myself here right now. Tuscany. I've never been to Tuscany. I've been parts of Italy, but never Tuscany. And I feel like people, like you said, before before we hit record, like people romanticize travel in a lot of ways. So I'm really excited for the things that we're going to make mentionable today. But before we dive into that, tell tell listeners slash viewers uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, I was born in Latvia. It's a former USSR Republic, if uh, if you guys don't know. Uh, it's a tiny little country on the Baltic Sea. It's really cold there. And I ran away from there after finishing college, uh, ran away to the United States, worked there for a couple of years. Then I was got, I got lucky and won the green card lottery, <laughs> dragged my ex-husband there with the baby, brand new baby. And um, I had a career in IT back then. I loved it. The creativity of creating something, cre- creating something new from nothing has always been appealing to me. And um, but that got boring really quickly. So I transitioned into photography. Um, my whole life I've been transitioning from one thing to another. I feel like, um, you know, it could, it could be a good, good, good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> Go figure. Um, and now I'm just traveling the world uh, because I've always felt like everybody goes places. Everybody's been to these, this, 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 in that place. And I've always had a major FOMO. In that regard, like I've never envied people who have a lot of money or have Gucci purses or or anything or husbands, great families. But I envy people who travel more than me. It's like it's something. So I decided, hey, right now my kid has graduated high school. He went to college. It doesn't need me anymore. And I wanted this life. I wanted to be able to go anywhere I want and live there as long as I want to, or at least as long as I'm allowed by government. <laughs> yeah. So I, you brought up some things that I want to ask you about. One is going to be transitions, but but first off, I, I want to dive into some of what the decision-making process has been. And we did an episode on eliminating decision fatigue, which I feel like you're making decisions all, all the time, all the time about where be next and where you're going to stay and whatnot. But 
before we get into those things, what tell me a little bit about the decision to go after this because so many people have these big dreams and I love that you highlighted different ones. You know, some people have the dream of the amazing family. Some people have the dream of like the most luxurious feeling clothes, you know, other people it's, it's being able to stay in five-star resorts. And so for you, it's travel. And so what did, what look like getting to the point where you had, you had, I just want to say the balls, <laughs> the balls to, to say, yes, I, I am freaking going for this. Um, I think they've cut, uh, or I never got the gene of being afraid to travel. Um, mm. There was never a question that I will not do. The, the only reason I was in New Jersey for almost 20 years is because, because I had a kid growing up mm. and his father and I split up and uh, I was bound to New Jersey. That was the only reason I was staying put in one place. Otherwise, it, we would have probably traveled with the kid all over the world because I don't know. It's just it's just the thing to do. I don't know how to what else to do. Mm. Um, that's it. It's it's not a decision for me. It wasn't a question. I love that. I love that. It's always fun when you see people who like who who can just go out and go out and have a we all have fear that creeps in, but it creeps in in different places for each of us. And so I can imagine some people would be completely terrified to do what you're doing and make that loop. And, and then other people, it sounds like you are just like, this is what my soul is longing for. Like, there's no question. This is, this is what has to be done. So a lot of the transitions, I love I love the concepts of transitions because I love talking about pivoting. I feel like, you know, so much of my life can be defined by the moments where we embrace change and there's so much beauty in that. So for you, how you talked about transitions from empty to photography, to traveling and the, and the, and the photography courses you run now. And then also how often are you transitioning where you are? Like what's been the pattern thus far in this journey? I'm thinking the best for me is to live somewhere bit anywhere between three to six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past year, I moved into Morocco. I went to several places before. I went to UAE, stayed in Dubai with a friend for a month or so. But then I moved to Morocco, kind of partly because uh, the COVID situation was so great there. It was the safest place to be in the world, and I found a beautiful beach town and stayed there and totally enjoyed myself until it was just time to leave because the government was like come on you overstayed your welcome you know um so now i'm planning to stay in italy for as long as i feel like i have to want to whatever um and then i i don't have any plan after that and Mm -hmm. uh, it's i really love the not knowing i like to see what unravels um i don't know have you always been okay with that? Because, you know, that is something, talk about where fear comes up for people, fear of the unknown, uh, an inability or a reluctance to embrace uncertainty cripples so many people. And that's okay. You know, it's like, it comes from how we were raised and, and chaos and wanting feelings of certainty. But, but what do you love How did you develop this relationship with like being totally chill with the unknown? (laughs) Um, 
like like um that's that's what i i'm trying to tell you that i don't have that thing somehow they didn't encrypt it in me i don't have that fear of the unknown i need the variety this is one of my biggest values i don't need to change my relationships every now and again it's totally i love people <laughs> everything is fine in that regard but to move around from place to place and discover the world when once i realized how similar we all are yet how different the cultures can be and how enticing that is i mean it's safe everywhere i was perfectly safe in morocco though a lot of people will go like what really yes nicest people ever um very different like you can walk down the street and be terrified and at the same time it's like nothing is going on it's safe <laughs> these people just want to be loved and they want to eat yeah. I, we are so also similar and then there are language barriers for and that can cause fear sometimes so i love that it sounds like for you like the fear component is just way dialed back in this in this scenario there's a um there's a book i can't i should totally know this author's name but i can't remember right now she wrote a book called why him why her and you know in relationships there there's the two sayings there's like opposites attract and then there's like birds of a feather flock together mm -hmm. and so she talks about differences there and and so she talks about explorers versus builders and like builders love tradition like building a family and having the focus be on that. And then explorers are like variety and novelty all the way. And so she talks about in that case, you need the birds of a feather flock together. If you're an explorer in a relationship with a builder, it might cause a lot of pain. But then there, she has this other description of how people can be, which is director versus negotiator. And so directors, you know, are very like, they want to be in control of the situation. They shape how things go. Like uh, there's tends to be more masculine traits in there, but she talks about the difference between those being um, estrogen versus testosterone driven people. And then they explore and builder. One is dopamine driven and one is serotonin driven. And so I love the way she weaves like neurochemicals and neuroscience into this discussion around opposites of attract and birds of the feather flock together because a director and a director might butt heads, but a director and a negotiator, like they're usually the opposites attract sort of vibe. And so I just gave a very high level description of this fabulous book. That's <laughs> but, very interesting. But you sound so much like an explorer to me i'm the same way like that's why i pick up and have no problem picking up and moving cities on a whim yeah. um and, and i love it like to me it feeds my soul but my brother is the complete opposite and what he could not do what you're doing what? My so it's the same way he's like i have no desire of ever leaving my town like, how is this possible that you're my brother <laughs> So one of the things, so I, everyone who is listening, if you want fun Instagram stories, go follow Rena because she takes you along on her travels. And so a few weeks ago, you and who knows exactly when this episode is coming out. So it might be back a little bit further, but uh, recently, I should say that recently you did a story series on burnout 
and something you and I have talked about before. And I'm, and I just want, I, how is burnout impacting you as you're traveling? Because we romanticize so many aspects of it, but then at the same time, you're uprooting your life pretty frequently re, as, as of most recently. Yes. So the first time I realized that I'm being burnt out was when I arrived in Provence, mm. south of France, gorgeous, rolling valleys and hills covered with lavender meadows and vineyards. And I'm looking at all this and I feel nothing. It scared the bejesus out of me. I was like, what is going on i started digging a little bit i use breath work as a tool to uncover any of my anxiety or anything that's going on and i've breathed a lot that week <laughs> and i realized that i've just been moving too much that's what came up for me um i came to latvia i was buying a car so i can afford this whole euro tour because right now i'm not hopping on the plane and i'm not stuck with just one suitcase and the carry-on so i can fit on the plane and not pay these extreme charges everything is in my car i basically travel with a bunch of kitchen stuff with me because i like my smoothies and all the weird stuff that i like um so there was a lot that had to go into it. And then before that, I was for two weeks in Iceland living in a van. And then before I was in the United States gallivanting across the entire country because I had clients who needed me. So I was in Texas. I was in um, New Mexico. I was in Colorado. I was in New Jersey seeing my son. I was just basically nonstop since beginning of June. Wow. And then I was, yeah, before getting to Provence, I was one week in, in Ingolstadt visiting my friend who's who's living there, who's lived there for 20 years and I haven't seen her. It was crazy. And of course, uh, going through that, I managed to stumble upon uh, one of these Russian influencers I follow. She was sharing a workshop with, with a psychologist that she's working with. And she was going through depression, actually, not even burnout. She was, she, her condition was much more serious. So they put together this amazing workshop series of three talking about procrastination, burnout, mm -hmm. and depression, how to identify them, how they're different, and how to how to deal with them all. And we're not going to go into depression because I've never been there, thank God. <laughs> but uh, burnout is a serious thing. And if we don't address it, we end up depressed. And then the only way out of there is doctors. <laughs> Wait, so, so, so what did you learn about burnout? If you can remember, how did you learn the difference between identifying procrastination and, and burnout because procrastination yeah. I think creeps in a lot and so I've done I've done research on that because procrastination it was, was my thing where I would just go to the fridge to procrastinate when I didn't want to deal with an emotion or deal with something like tough that was coming up for work um but I've also been burned out in the past too and it seems interesting that there that those buckets get so tied to, uh, so closely tied together, but it, it, it makes sense. So, so how did you learn to, to identify burnout and, and some of the differences there? 
Right. So procrastination is basically we still have the energy for doing stuff. We're still motivated. We use we use the okay, so my dishes are not done. I'm gonna do those because I can't I can't sit here and do work and write a blog post looking at the dirty dishes. That's procrastination, pure form. Any right. kind of avoidance of something harder is procrastination. If you're still doing something, you're not in bed. You're not binging on some series on Netflix, then 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 you are not burnt out. Mm-hmm. Then you have to just get your act together <laughs> and start working. But once you find yourself basically without energy at all and no motivation, nothing interests you, nothing excites you, you don't know what you want and why you wanted something that you're doing right now in the first place, that's burnout. Mm-hmm. And the longer you stay there, the quicker it turns into depression. Yeah. And the harder it important. is. I, I said, and the harder it, it can be to get out of it. And so for you, then you're in Provence and all of a sudden you find yourself with no energy. Is that right? That's right. Um, I was dog sitting at, this, at that same moment uh, at that time in Provence for a month. So I had these two cute carn terriers, terriers that I was supposed to walk twice a day. And they were basically what would drag me out of, of bed in the morning and outside <laughs> every day. And one of the ways to treat burnout is to go on walks and be in nature. So I had a lot of that going on. So that helped me. And of course, listening to these two ladies talk about burnout for, I don't know, two or three hours. I've I felt like very well supported and they were giving so many examples of what works for them. The 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 key is to not follow anybody, anybody's specific advice and find what works for you. Because for some people, walks would not work. Some people just hate walking without purpose. Right. They can't stand being in nature, for example. They prefer, I don't know what they prefer. Um, uh, everybody's different. And for everybody, the recipe will be different. So I spend those two days while I'm listening to these workshops, putting the list of things that make me happy Mm -hmm. or things that have shown in the past that they somehow put me in a better mood. Obviously was exercise, obviously was meditation, Mm -hmm. definitely breath work, a -hmm. lot of walking, um, cooking a home cooked meal is a big deal for me. And I learned that I don't really like cooking, Alyssa, like at all. I find it, it's a waste of time. I don't want to be doing it. I would rather have somebody else (laughs) do it. And in Morocco was a great setup. I had a lady come in and cooked and clean for me. It was just perfect. I loved it. And their food is delicious. Uh, But here I found that it is easier for me to settle down in a new place if I immediately, after unpacking and organizing, go to the grocery store, no matter how tired I am, bring in certain, I even made a menu, like it's a move-in menu, and I bring it home, I chop some stuff, I saute some veggies, I make some lentils, there's stuff that I need in my fridge in order to make it feel like, okay, I, I will survive this, this is good. 
That is so, so, so great. I love, first, I love that you said the recipe is different for everyone because that's so true in general. Like with any advice that's given, we have to be able to filter it through our own critical thinking lens. And I don't always see people doing that. Like they're just so happy to, to take on this, this dream. So people take on dreams of other people's right now, just because we see so many of the same pictures on social media and taking the time to, to reconnect with yourself. I find that for me, burnout has happened for me in the times where I've just become disconnected from myself, like doing something, but not really sure why I'm doing it and losing that sense of, of purpose in it. And then I go into the painful part. And so the list of like, what is me happy? What, what is going well? What do I, what do I enjoy? That has been helpful for me in the past too. I find it, um, funny that you don't like cooking. I love cooking. Cooking is like the creative outlet for me. I, if I don't get to cook, I get frustrated. Um, and then also what you said about the menu brings me back to the decision, to the decision fatigue element. And just having that menu, it cuts out what you have to buy at the grocery store each time when you're in a new place. You're not having to make these same decisions over and over and over again, which I imagine is like this unconscious breath of fresh air to be like, okay, I know the plan for at least the first day or day and a half, like when I'm here. Yes. And because, because every country is different, you don't know what kind of foods you're going to, foods you're going to encounter in the stores. So I'm limiting myself to the fresh food section, fresh vegetables, fresh fruits. And this list is always there. Like I have not, not found lentils in the store in my entire life. Seriously. It's like a staple food everywhere. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. a lot. Yep. So, so when you found yourself there, then how, once you started actively doing some of those things, if you don't mind sharing, how long did it take you to feel like you could recognize your energy again? Uh, right away, basically, it was very quick for me. Um, one major mistake that I was doing that they ad- identified for me is you shouldn't be binging on anything or watching any movies during the burnout. It's much better. Read a book read a book, but nothing like dramatic, like nothing, like nothing where you're <gasps> holding your breath until the five pages passed, you know, um, because this drama is, is seeping into our life and is contributing to burnout. So I immediately stopped doing that because this is the first thing I would lean um, on when I feel tired. I'm like, I'm just going to watch something and let the life pass. Yeah. Um, once you stop that, once you just start, uh, and I, I always get enough sleep. I love sleep. This is, this is the thing that nobody can take away from me. And, uh, so it, it was quick once I knew what not to do. And also the fact that I've discovered this new knowledge, which is always contributing to your excitement. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, I landed on something. That's great. And I think it's always, it's always good to hear that it doesn't always have to take a super long time to have a shift. And I love what you said about um, not binge watching things because, you know, we take in, just like we take in all the pictures on social media, like we take in the plot lines of all of these super dramatic shows of which there are so many now. Like I remember, you know, back when all of us were just watching cable, there's like, 
a limited set of choices for what to watch. But now there's Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime, and they all have originals. And there's 50 million, obvious exaggeration, but not really. Uh, and they're so good. Just to watch. And then and then everyone's talking about it. And it's like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I'm like, I know. I'm, but there is such a high mental cost to that in absorbing these narratives and 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 the thing is is that an entire a plot line three quarters of the plot is meant to have tension and suspense and drama and to play on all of these things that we experience in a glorified dramatic fashion it's not always great for us to consume especially if we're not in a place where we're clearly able to delineate like this isn't my reality. This is fiction. And yet when we're in these moments of turmoil and inner turmoil, we, we end up over-identifying with the storylines, I feel like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> social media is also contributing to burnout. And mm -hmm. Watching TV, definitely. All these news. Yeah. <laughs> about that. So there's another thing that I think I always like making mentionable, and that's you know, building community. We had an episode on building community, but also friendships. So, you know, you're traveling around, you're going to these new places. And I know that, you know, people all over the world, because even when you were in Colorado, you popped in and we met at the airport, which I loved. Awesome. Uh, but you're going to all these new places, renting new spaces, so you have new places and faces, but then you also have all these new faces. And so what what is it like building relationships in these areas? Is it a priority for you? Is it how do you go about it? It definitely is. So uh, one thing I have to mention is that uh, during the burnout phase, I identified that uh, spending time with people soothes me, even mm -hmm. though I'm an introvert. So that was a surprise. This is why I'm telling everybody: don't follow anybody's advice. Find your own recipe for the burnout fix. Um, so yes, I'm making it imp uh, a point to actually meet people. Uh, I will talk to anybody on the street who I can have a, a, even a little bit of the report. Like in, in um, Nice, I was talking to the banana guy downstairs right next to the door entrance to my hotel. For some reason, he found it entertainment that I, entertaining that I didn't speak any French and he was making fun of the way I say banana. Um, <laughs> weird. And um, I use um, Tinder actually to meet people. Um, I have it on my profile that I am not specifically looking for a date, even though I'm single and open, um, but I'm passing through and I would like to learn a language. So I would love to meet you for language exchange in return. I'm this interesting person, blah, blah, blah. I give them my little bio and, uh, you know, shrimp up version <laughs> of who I am. And um I've met some people like this and it has been incredible. It's like making friends who I have to leave behind in some time, but um, it's incredible what you learn from local people like that. Somebody introduced me to Kinoto, a drink that I would have never otherwise tried in Italy. It was on one of my first dates through Tinder and um, it's not, you know, Tinder is not that terrible. It has a bad rap, but I'm having fun. Uh, my friend also mentions that Meetup is very popular in Europe. I have not tried it yet because I keep forgetting. 
<laughs> but I have my notes in front of me <laughs> about this uh, from this friend who is also a nomad. She she's traveling slightly different goal for her. Um, and um, also, since we're on the point uh, on the topic of the relationships, I have to mention that my existing friendships with people in Latvia in the, in the United States are, um, I would say, better these relationships because people actually make it a point to spend time with me when I <laughs> when I'm there and okay. kind of drop everything and it makes me feel loved and we have much more of a quality time sometimes like two days in a row because they we didn't have enough and uh, when I leave I feel sati- sati- satiated <laughs> with that yeah. so that kind of kind of works out well, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have expected you to say that, but, but it makes sense with how you're explaining it. I, I think it's great to the, um, you said being around people soothes you. And I'm the weird person who like the, for me to get into like the most flow state, like I love working in a loud bar, which is weird. I'm aware, but I love being around strangers, but able to be like in my own bubble. So like I will play loud bar noise on YouTube when I'm working sometimes. <laughs> That's cool. What a great idea. Um, the people. And so there's a track for like that sort of loud noise uh, on YouTube and there's one on Spotify too. But I, if coffee shops aren't the same for me because they're too quiet. Like you can zone in on one conversation mm-hmm. and that doesn't work for me. And so I love being around strangers. And I love what you said about talking to the banana guy, because I feel like we often forget about the micro moments of our humanity where to feel connection with someone, it doesn't have to be this, this lifelong friendship, or even like, we're going to become best friends. It's like, wait, we can make each other feel good in these tiny little freaking moments. And and for people not to be threatened by that, like, especially if you're in a relationship, but like for people not to be threatened by that, for people to embrace it and like take the risk of maybe this five minute conversation that just like feels really good or brightens my day. I think that's so, so, so powerful. So do you, how, how often are you engaging in those and how does it make you feel when you're traveling? Engaging in what those? In, in like these micro conversations, like the banana guy, like, are you constantly trying to talk to Does anybody who will talk to you? My grandma is the queen of that or, or how does it work for you? I have to force myself into it actually when I remember to do it, because this is what makes things fun. Every smile somebody shares with me basically brightens my day. I mean, it's cheesy, but it's true. And uh, so I have to put a mask on at first and go and be a goof somewhere and make a fool of myself and make a silly joke. Jokes don't translate very well. So you have to kind of just act it out in a way and just be clumsy, obviously clumsy, sometimes exaggerated. Um, Somehow people are attracted to that and then they start taking care of you all of a sudden and long story short you're talking and somehow like this this old lady in the store the other day in uh, La Spezia which is in Cinque Terre I was in the grocery store it was late it was raining I'm standing in line and then there's an old lady appears next to me I'm next in line she shows up next to me and she's standing holding I don't remember yogurt or something in her hands and I'm like uh, just gesturing to her to get in front of me and go ahead. Like I should have asked people behind me, but I just did it. 
And all of a sudden, she's talking to me. I don't understand anything she's saying. It's all in Italian, yada, yada. It sounds wonderful. So I'm smiling like a goon. And um, a few minutes later, I re realized she's going to introduce me to her nephew. That's, I understand a few things. I'm already being introduced to family member and a friend outside waiting for her. And she was so happy that I just let her, whatever. That's Those things happen. And... Um, you kind of have to be open to them. And when you're traveling and you're alone all the time, you're, um, you have to make an effort because otherwise you're just in that zone of observation and survival mode. Yeah. So you mentioned lonely and I, I wanted to ask you like in this journey, like you made this journey for yourself of like, I want to travel the world and like, this is, it's, it just needs to happen. Um, you're also doing it by yourself. And so like, is it lonely? Like what comes, what comes up? Um, I've not felt lonely in a very long time, unless I'm down. When we feel down, it, 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 the reason could be anything. It could be hormones. It could be weather. It could be that you haven't worked on your business for a couple of days and you're behind. And then you're feeling like you will never get what you want to get. You know, things just accumulate and crush on you. Uh, but normal feeling of loneliness um it's been maybe four or five years since i felt that way i've i enjoy my company i like my space i like that i don't have to compromise with anybody i've not been in a good serious relationship in like ever so i don't feel like i'm missing out on anything i see my friends and i'm happy for them but like i said uh, i never envied the good relationship it's the travel that i want um, and the fact that I can just take off and go anywhere I want and not discuss uh, with anybody what kind of apartment we have to rent or, I mean, it can get really complicated really fast unless the guy is really easygoing because I'm anal. I need everything the way I want it to be. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's nice what you said about liking your own company because, you know, some people they get the itch to travel, but really it's the itch to avoid something. It's like, hey, I need to take a vacation because I want to avoid something, but you can't avoid yourself. You, you end up with yourself wherever you are in the world. Okay. I, something just came up for me. I left at my, in my head. Uh, have you ever wanted to like after you had a breakup, have you ever wanted to just drop everything and move to, to another town or another state or another country? Have it, have it, has it ever happened to you? I've done it. I've done it twice. Yeah, <laughs> actually you did. Yes. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I always wanted to do it, but I never had actual chance to do it. And mm. I must report to you, this thing works amazingly. Basically, no matter how, what kind of a bad thing occurred to you in your travels mm -hmm. in today's you don't remember it happened mm -hmm. because you you're never in the same environment you're always trying to survive something or or get from place to place and again it's survival mode the entire time survive 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 right. so i don't remember what was last week that uh, i got like really sick or something or somebody was really rude to me or nothing comes to mind because I don't remember these things anymore. Mm. This stuff is amazing. So if you're trying to run away from your life and forget something that's just broke your heart and feels like the end of the world, go travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
use it. It's like the eat for love journey, you know, like, especially as if you use it as this way to like form this relationship with yourself, like for the people who do want a relationship, like the best way that we can be in one is to have a solid relationship with ourselves. And if we're constantly just like trying to avoid those emotions, then that's not going to go so well because it's going to come back up. But I love being able to take a break and change your environment because our environments influence our thoughts so profoundly, like the spaces that we're in. I really struggle. This sounds so weird, but I struggle if there's one time uh, in an apartment I had, I had bookshelves on opposite walls and it was this huge towering bookshelf on opposite walls and it's the only way that they fit in there because it was an apartment it wasn't huge and I hated it every time I walked into that room I freaking hated it and I instantly just like got into a bad mood and very sensitive to space and environment and, and being that sensitive might not be as common but we are influenced by our environment so this leads me to two things one, just what you were saying about being able to, if, if something isn't working, sometimes even going outside, like changing our environment has so much power. But second, how are you doing being in so many other people's spaces and like their energy? I don't know if that would be easy for me or not, because I'm so sensitive to that. So, so how's that going for you? That is a great question and a lot I can share on that that I have okay. not thought until today. So thank you. Um, so first of all, I'm usually renting an Airbnb, which is a, an apartment that is clean of energy. I would love it if somebody lived here before they started renting it out because then they know what kind of little things it's missing. A lot of th people don't do that. Like yesterday, uh, a few days ago when I arrived here, they didn't even have a dishwashing liquid like what is like? I had to go and buy. If I arrived here on the plane, I'd be pissed. There mm. were a few things missing, a few things that I already had with me, and a few. So, this apartment has never been lived in by mm. anybody, like permanently. So it's clean. It's clear of the anything. Like there is nothing here that shouldn't be here. As opposed to when I was dog sitting, uh, house sitting, uh, it's a thing. There are websites where you can go register, uh, have your friends refer you, and you can go and travel the world basically for free, except for the plane ticket, and stay in beautiful places and other people's homes basically by just feeding their cats or walking their dogs. It's a great way, and a lot of people do it that way. So I decided to try it because, hey, I like saving money. Um <laughs> and it was great. I was in Provence for one month and the dogs were cute and not a big deal to do any of that. But the house was somebody else's house. And um, as nice as it was, there was other somebody else's energy there. Now, the woman is a very interesting person and all the books that she had on her bookshelves, I actually had fun with. But also there were things that just uh, I wouldn't have them the way they were. And uh, it was just basically accepting how it is and knowing that I will move eventually from here. And, and it, it being what it is, three days later, it stops bothering you because how much can you be annoyed at it? Right. As I like to like let yourself feel like that getting to the acceptance phase, like you said, the word acceptance, I think becomes really, really important for me with the competing bookshelves. I definitely could not let it go. Like I could not get to 
to the acceptance phase. And that was a struggle. But there's a there was a piece of furniture that Jeff had when we were moving in together. And I wasn't sure that I loved it. You would love it. I wish I could flip my computer around. Like it's great for photo things. And it has texture and different colors. So like I hear your voice in my head um, going going through that. And so it's a, it's a great piece, but I wasn't sure that I could accept it. And so I ha- a friend came over and she she gave me this idea. She She saw me like sitting uncomfortably in it when we first started talking and by the end she slowly started seeing me like sink into it and then she's like you need to do a photo shoot in this and like shove some crystals and <laughs> the cushions and just like own it and I'm not an overly crystal oriented person but I have two or three that mean something to me and so then I freaking like owned this piece of furniture and completely accepted it and now it's it's in my office but it's how these things in our spaces that we can get super fixated on them and influence our our moods and getting into that that place of acceptance can be so 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 important yes I guess it's different for everything I I was lucky so far (laughs) that's great that's great and 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 when you're when you're wait I'm gonna backtrack if someone was thinking like okay I'm sitting at home and this is, I know I've had this itch and, and maybe this conversation is like the sign that they asked for, where it's like, I should go travel. What would you tell someone to start that journey? Prepare a list of things that please you, things that you only do for yourself, uh, lighting candles, listening to your favorite artists on, on Spotify, listen to podcasts, like all the things that will prevent your burnout, make a system and don't plant, uh, don't plan to, uh, oh my God, something just came to my head. Don't rent an apartment for a month at one spot. Like if you are not sure whether you're going to like that city or not, just book something for a week, stay for a week. If you like it, if you feel like you want to stay there, then go out and rent something more long-term and through locals, which will be a little more affordable um, and accessible when you're already there. <laughs> I think yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing. <clears throat> and, yeah. and the, go ahead. Sorry. And the <laughs> other thing to think about is what, what is your goal? I, do you want to make it your life? Like mm-hmm. I did, uh, I got rid of my home in New Jersey, car, everything, all my possessions, whatever I wanted to keep some memorabilia, not memorabilia, what's the word? Memories, <laughs> sorry. Um, English is my third or fourth language, I forget. Um, everything was gone and I took all the money that I would typically pay uh, use to pay my bills I use that money to travel. So I'm actually saving money by traveling as opposed to living in the United States, which will be the case for most people I know, unless you live somewhere completely in suburbs of something, uh, something in the middle of America, maybe that is, I don't know. Yes. Um, But anywhere on the coast, (laughs) seriously, seriously, um cheaper to travel than to live there so it's affordable you can do it if money is what stops you you can do this you don't have to pay the rent and travel you don't have to pay the mortgage and travel you can if it's a good time to sell your house sell your house and go traveling you can always buy another house unless you're so in love with your house that's a different story 
um, preparing yourself for this. Just go where you where you want, uh, where you dreamed of going. Like I wanted to live in Morocco. I wanted to live in Italy. So I'm covering these two bases now. I'm not sure where else I want to live. I already lived in the United States. You have any ideas? Let me know. <laughs> I don't know where. Actually, there is a gorgeous place in in Italy. I was in a small town, um, Pisano. I might have butchered the name, but it's right near like Como. It's 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 a very very small town in the mountains, but the mountains are freaking gorgeous. And the um, the guy I was dating at the time, his his stepmom uh, is Italian, and so she grew up there, and so her entire family like she has extended cousins like the whole town is her family and and so we went there for a month and stayed and there's just something that's so different about going somewhere and living there versus it just being a vacation there's something that can be really really fun about that but that town is gorgeous so i would recommend that while you're in italy um have you done the north yet? That's just what I was going to ask. Uh, I've been there with my son. That was our, tr- our first trip to Italy. I loved it. Absolutely. But I want to go back and stay. I, I'm planning to live in Verona for a few months after, after the winter is over. I like warmth. I'm going to spend the time in Sicily and then drive north when it's warmer. Uh, Verona, Sicily, the Dolomites, uh, explore the entire region there. It's, it's gorgeous. And I, I loved Como. Heaven on earth. Oh my goodness. It was, yes. We would drive over there and get gelato and look at the water. And it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, when I had a question, but it's blanking me at the moment, which occasionally happens. Um, do you ever feel like, like, is it in the cards for you to have a home base again? Um, I would like to have a home base. I would I would like to have a home base just because I love all the things that I find during travels. Mm. And um, I can't really send them into stores. There's nobody there to accept the package. <laughs> so now I have some things in Morocco, some things in Latvia, some things in New Jersey, some things in Colorado. And at some point, I would like to bring it all back together because some of these things I really love because they mean something to me, like Moroccan poofs and blankets with those fluffy ends and and the pottery. Oh, I love pottery. <laughs> and that's gorgeous. Plus, okay, so, so this brings me to one other thing I want to talk about. So you're a photographer and you're obsessed with the senses. And what I love about the photos that you take is that they incorporate different elements than just the eyes. You know, so many designers just design for, for our eyes, for the visual component of it. But what about how things feel? What about like, how, what are the sounds in a space? Like, what does it smell like? And, and that is a lot of what your philosophy is in a photo. And so how is your travel informing your photography in that way? Um, it's finding textures. Like 
I don't know about you and your experience living in the United States, but in New Jersey, I found it extremely boring to photograph anybody. Like I had to be so creative mm -hmm. to find something interesting to incorporate as a part of a location. Like props mm -hmm. are props. We can figure out props. But where do I take a client where it looks cool or peaceful or, or warm or, you know, soft? There's no textures <laughs> there they've designed america without any um united states i mean uh without any really relationship with senses if you look at europe everything is stone there's mm -hmm. a lot of stone sometimes it's uh iron but it's a lot of stone a lot of texture a lot of wood a lot of warmth a lot of grain a lot of smells where do i begin <laughs> Well, so it depends on the location. Every time I show up somewhere, uh, my professional training that I took myself through is uh, finding places that I like. And I typically just mark them on my Google Maps and leave a label saying, ah, oh, it's a weird tree triangle with, with these branches that lean down so nicely that if you put a person in front of them, then the portrait will be like very geometrical things like that so i just leave myself notes like that if at some point somebody around that location hires me i know the spot already and or, or i know what to look for at least i love that and your photos are so beautiful as a result also like your your drone footage that you've been taking especially in italy i'm obsessed like you <laughs> like the richness that comes through in the type of photos that you take because you pay attention to those details is so important like i added a plant in here because of you in in the background of where we filmed this and it's not perfect like my goal is to eventually have two sides so it's symmetrical matching plants like other textures i normally throw a blanket over this chair behind me because I'm like Irina would say too. Yes. <laughs> I don't want yes. to something textury, something soft. You can also use a candle, but bigger one because mm -hmm. we all know what it smells like. So it stimulates the sense of smell, the smell mm -hmm. of wax. Everybody knows what candles smell like. So it doesn't have to burn, just sits there in the background. We know it. It's familiar to us. The visual, the, I love like the fact that visual cues can bring in other elements of the senses. I think it makes it so so much more powerful. So for you, if you if you if someone is like, okay, I'm going I'm going they're they're on the fence. So we talked about the person who's like ready to leap off the fence, and they're like, I'm I'm going to do it. I want to try. And you told them to prepare with the list. We we talked about the person who might be facing burnout and what some things that worked for you, some things that worked for me to be able to, to move yourself out of that. So for someone who is on the fence and like they feel the burn, they know, they know that travel is something that they want to do, but maybe they feel, you know, some of the other responsibilities uh, getting in the way. Do you have any advice for them as someone who took the leap? I feel like responsibilities are there for us in order to hold us in a certain framework, certain boundaries in a way. Um, we're not ready. That means I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously I wouldn't leave my son 
anytime sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had to grow up and I, it was a lot more important for me to be a mother to him than going traveling. Like if somebody told me you will have to be a mother for the rest of your life, you will never travel. I'll be totally fine with it because that's just what motherhood is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, nothing else has held me back. So mm-hmm. I can't really relate to that, but I imagine just my philosophy is life is what it's supposed to be and things will work out and you will have your chance to do what you want to do as long as you really want to do it mm-hmm. and are not just tricking yourself into thinking that this is your dream. Because a lot of people, once they get on the road, I imagine they would freak out because this, this journey that I'm on is more spiritual than just moving around. You facing all kinds of stuff coming up and it's coming up fast. And mm-hmm. these patterns that are not working for you are much easier identifiable because they're constantly in a way they're like they're like branches in front of your eyes they are not they're blocking your your vision so you have to work them out faster yeah otherwise it's done your decision and you're you're the only one there to to deal with them so i love that like travel as a spiritual journey there's always things in life that that push us along that path. You know, for some people it's relationships for and and that causes you to see your stuff. For other people, it's their business a lot of times. Like that will cause you to see your stuff real time. <laughs> and it's, I think it's awesome that travel can do the same thing. Like if people are willing to lean into that, that can be so powerful for the healing journey, which gets me so excited. So I love- think that Go ahead. Sorry. In relationships, a lot of people, uh, I've, I've seen people, I've met friends who would think about their relationship, like is it, whether, whether it's a real deal, whether mm-hmm. this is what's meant to be. I think the best test to a relationship is to go traveling with somebody for like a long trip, not a weekend and not in a resort, not on a cruise where everything is taken care of and you're just drinking the whole time it has to be something hard something not dangerous nothing is dangerous unless you're going into a war zone Mm -hmm. so i just get uncomfortable together because a lot of stuff comes up then a lot Mm -hmm. and people will go through this and either they survive together and their relationship will never be any stronger than this i mean with time of course of course but if they survive a year of traveling it's meant to be, dude. Yeah. Put a ring <laughs> on it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you brought up something else that I completely forgot that I wanted to ask you about. So do you have a few more minutes so I can ask you about it? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you brought up drinking. A lot of times, you know, travel gets oriented with this lifestyle of let's go and it's just going to be like a binge fest for the weekend or 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 at least more than one might consume at home. And so I know. For you, that you stopped drinking, I think you said four years ago, right? I think so, yes. And, and so I want to know a little bit more about that story. And and the reason why is, is, is I think so many of us, like in today's culture, we default to um, booze being the like social lubricant where it's like, I get more comfortable interacting with people or it's like, oh, we're going to dinner and it's like about the drinks, like rather than these other culture building things. So I want to know what your journey has been like being sober while traveling. And 
I also, I think the reason why you decided to stop drinking is really interesting too. So if you're willing to share that, I would love for people to hear. Um, being sober while traveling. I can't imagine it being any other way because I've not started traveling that long ago. And this entire journey has been sober um, since I've moved out uh, a year, a year and a few months ago from the United States. Um, I would say I would, the thought of drinking while I'm living this life makes me anxious, to be honest, because you have to be on point. You're, you're in the survival mode. I can't imagine. (laughs) That makes sense. Like you said, one of the reasons that you decided to quit drinking in the first place. Like you didn't do it through any sort of, it's like for clarity of mind. That's, is that right? It's, it's been a long journey. Quitting drinking was tougher for me. I am the kind of person who really enjoys things like that. Like I, I was in a, in a wine club. I loved Negronis and Spritz and like anything with Aperol. I love tequila. Um, these things uh, were, you know, they're delicious things and uh, wine is supposed to be good for you and things like that. Like the marketing around that stuff is just crazy. Wow. People are so, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. I'm <laughs> stay away from politics about it. But for me personally, let's stick to that. Um, alcohol has always been an inhibitor of what I'm capable of. I mm. found that the depth of my emo- my emotional capacities increased dramatically. And I knew that's what's going to happen. I have tried quitting uh, before. Uh, The most I was able to go without alcohol before I quit for good was one year. And that year was one of the clearest years of my life. And um, being able to step away from it and look from the sidelines onto the scene of people drinking and how, how they act Seeing myself in these situations, remembering how I acted, all the uh, all the inhibitions are gone. Well, that just means that we're not going to be stopped by anything uh, when we're saying something stupid and hurting people. Uh, we just we're the social lubricant. It's an illusion. We are still doing what we would do, but we're not. There is no block, no social block anymore. That's not a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Emotional depth, uh, the clarity of mind. Oh, my goodness. I think I le- lived in the fog my entire life. And it uh, also affected my relationships. I would accept people in my life who, without the lubricant, were not acceptable, really. I've dated a guy for a very long time, lubricating myself just because otherwise I just wouldn't accept him. Who does this? It was so easy for me <laughs> to make that decision. I Once I was out of that relationship, I was like, what are you doing to yourself? Why? You're a mother. You have a, ch- a wonderful kid growing up. What kind of an example? <laughs> it's just no brainer. It was harder to quit than to decide to. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think it, like in terms of Megan Benchmall, I think that's being really worth mentioning because, because there's so much pressure that people can feel when they want to stop drinking. And like, the thing is, is like, it doesn't to be this big announcement either. Like if you want the support for it to be the big announcement, then by all means, like whatever floats your boat, again, the find your own recipe thing. But if you want to 
if you want to stop drinking for a period of months, just so you can have this creative period or this clarity of mind, like great, that's, that's wonderful. And, and it's being able to own our choices and our desires. And I think there are so many things that inhibit us from, from really stepping into truly what, what we want. And so for me, I, I, there are many periods where I have gone like months at a time where I don't want to drink because for me, I feel the same way. It influences my creativity and I just don't feel as good in the body. And I notice my hormones are weird and I have more down days and I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like what it brings out all the time. And so now, like if I am going to drink an espresso martini is my favorite because I like, I like the balance there, but I think I probably have like one or two drinks a week. And that's what works for me right now. And it's a conscious decision to do it. There's, there's a huge difference for me between when I was unconsciously drinking to avoid emotions or to put up with things, or just because it was like, what's happening around me versus like, I'm consciously okay with me having this drink right now. I know I might not feel uh, the same in my body in the exact same way, but I can accept that. And it's okay. But that I feel like people oftentimes have a, have an aversion. Like they're worried that people are going to judge them when they're out. If they say no, like I'm not having any alcohol or whatnot. So how have you dealt with that? Has that been a thing for you at all? Um, I really care what people think about me. So um, again, genetics, that's good. Um, I would say being confident and owning it is the only way to be about it. You can go around and wiggle yourself and, and, and make yourself smaller and try to excuse yourself. But at the end of the day, you have to own it. It's your decision. And it's no discussion. It's not on the table. It's just not on the table for me when I'm out somewhere and somebody is already pouring and hanging, hang, handing me a wine, like friends, Italy, ser- seriously, people look at me wrong. Like what? It's, <laughs> are you sick? Are you dying? <laughs> Yeah, you just you don't even you don't take time to explain it and they have to accept it. That's all. This is just the basic, I guess, communication maneuver. You can you can if you don't want to talk about something, you don't talk about something and you switch to another topic and that everybody moved on. Yeah. Not making it a big deal. Yeah. So basic, but at the same time, it's something that's like so hard for people to do. It's so hard for some people, like a lot of the people I work with, it's very, very difficult for them at first to own their desires. And so then their boundaries are non-existent because they're not owning their desires. And it becomes very hard to like set that boundary then. So I love like the, we, we have to own. Yeah. And then they're saying, it's funny, mm-hmm. but I used it. I would just tell people that I'm in AA, they leave you alone. <laughs> and you can make it a joke. You can do it with a serious face. I love goofing off with people. So if it's a completely straight, complete stranger, I, I might use that joke. I used mm-hmm. it on friends. They took it seriously. The joke went too far. It was not pretty, but they forgot, yeah. forgave me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's never, it's never perfect. So I loved this conversation. I feel like there's so much in here for people owning their dreams, whatever it may be, even if it's, even if it's not travel, but, but making a decision to do like what feels freaking good to you. There's so much power and freedom in that. I love it. So if people want to follow along on your travels, where can they do so? What's the best place? 
Um, the best place is to find me on Instagram at I am Irina Leone, one word. I post stories. All my travels are in stories. Uh, it's a business account, so I promote my work and my products. Sometimes I'm a branding photographer, so I post a lot about branding tips for uh, online coaches. Uh, but there is there is some travel popping up here and there. Well, your tips are like, if anyone's traveling, your photo tips go hand in hand because they're going to have way better photos from whatever they're doing. Enjoy. You're so sweet. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here. And for those of you listening, um, if you want to join the community, we talk about communication, we dive deeper into podcast episodes. You can do so at alyssapatmus.com forward slash community. We can continue the conversation there. I would love to see you. Irina, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And tune in next time for another episode of Make It Mentionable. See you soon. You've just finished listening to another episode of Make It Mentionable with me, your host, Alyssa Patmus. If you're looking for more in-between episodes, then sign up for The Peel. It's my free newsletter that gives tips for how to navigate whatever life dishes. And it's also the place where I share the juiciest of stories. To check it out, head on over to alyssapatmus.com forward slash The Peel. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.